Welcome back to another episode of NFT Catcher Podcast. We'd like to remind everybody that nothing on the show is meant as financial advice, and to please do your own research. Thank you, and enjoy the show. Now the subject is NFT. They're known as non-fungible tokens, or NFTs. NFTs are exploding in popularity. This is a technology that will forever change the way people interact. So it is happening whether you understand it and like it or not. This phenomenon is moving. You have now joined Jenny from the Blockchain and Michael Keane on the NFT Catcher Podcast. What's up, everyone? And welcome back to another episode of the NFT Catcher Podcast with me, Jenny from the Blockchain, and my co-host, Michael Keane. Michael, happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday afternoon. I'm good. How about you? I'm doing great. And especially since we have a very special guest with us today, Today, we have an interview with Carlini from Pernelope's Country Club. And nice. uh, Carlini's been in the NFT space since 2017. So we're really excited to talk to him about, you know, what the space was like years ago before it was even popular to be into NFTs. And, uh, you know, just just excited to talk NFTs with Carlini. So Carlini, welcome. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks a lot for having me on. Yeah, of course. Thank you for coming on. Um, let's get started with your NFT journey. Um, can you kind of tell us about how you got into NFTs at first and like, you know, what got you into NFTs? Uh, well, I'd already been in crypto for a while. Um, and I was even back then a bit of an ETH maxi. So I'd, I'd bought Bitcoin, can't even... I know I bought some in 2015, but I can't remember if I mined it before that. Uh, I effectively got trolled out of mining Bitcoin because it wasn't profitable when I was doing it or or not much. And I wasn't doing it to any sort of degree. It was my gaming PC that I left on overnight, you know, and I'd excitedly wake up, go downstairs. Oh, I've made 15p or something like that. And then I just got trolled by family, like, oh, you're going to be a Bitcoin millionaire soon. And I was like, well, no, <laughs> I made 15p last night, which I'm, I maybe only mined it for two weeks, maybe a month before I just gave up because it was a lot of effort at the time. It wasn't as easy as, not that it's easy now because, you know, mining on your PC doesn't really make sense. But it was just a lot of effort, pretty much no rewards. And I ended up losing that wallet. But I, I wouldn't, it wouldn't have been much, you know, e- even now it wouldn't have been much. But I was, I was into Ethereum. Um, I, I just believed in effectively getting rid of the middleman. Like my journey in crypto is more about, I guess, practical uses that I, I think personally work rather than taking on the system or taking power back to the people. That's almost like a, a nice a nice side effect uh, of crypto for me, whereas I'm all about, I guess, utility, utility, utility. And I'm sure people will argue that is utility, but it's not utility that I care about yet. So I was, I was playing around in all these ICOs and things like that. I was buying lots of different tokens on ETH and obviously they've all gone to zero. But then one day I was, we were, my wife was pregnant with our first child um, and we'd had some sort of complication or we're actually staying the night in the hospital. 
um, December 2017. And I was just, I, she was in the bed. She, she was asleep and I was in this sort of horrible hospital chair that I couldn't sleep in, but I had my laptop and I was just browsing online, taking a look at, uh, Eve trader on Reddit, you know, things like that, just general Eve crypto stuff. And then I came across crypto kitties and it just NFTs clicked for me for just straight away. You know, I used to play a lot of runescape when I was a kid and it just kind of went, ah, oh, it's kind of like that now it's on ETH and all of the values that I have for the stuff on Ethereum makes sense in NFTs. Let's play around in this game. And at that time, it was very much HODL culture because of all these ICOs. And it was far more HODL than now, I would say, you know, if you weren't holding your token, you were, you know, getting relentlessly trolled. So people were coming into CryptoKitties, buying their CryptoKitties and just holding it despite the being a game. And I was just there relentlessly breeding and selling my cats. Like mm-hmm. I had timers set up. I had spreadsheets. It was like, right, this cat's going to breed this cat in three hours. <laughs> that kid is then going to breed this cat from this other pair five hours after that, you know, these, these sort of combinations. And it was, it was fun, but I guess in a different set, like when you're hearing it now, you're not going to think, oh, that sounds like a great game. I want to play that. It was more being involved. It was new. It wasn't solved. It There was just an element that we don't have now because right now everyone knows what they're doing in the NFT space. If you're new, you know, within a month, someone's caught you up, you know about all the rarities and how these sort of things work but CryptoKitties had a unique sort of breeding mechanic that needed to be solved and no one knew how we we were literally using we were importing data from uh effectively the blockchain into google sheets and then staring at it it was a crazy time uh something that just can't really be replicated again i guess imagine the board apes um puzzles that they do but you don't have a team of puzzlers coming in who are doing all that kind of stuff you're all just trying to figure out this code together in a way that no one had ever done before and it was all very interesting and I was just hooked from that point I was I was in I was an nft for you know I my my sort of LARP quote is I've now been in NFTs six years because if you count 2022 as three months as a year and December 2017 as a year, that's now six years in NFT. <laughs> okay, okay. Nice, nice little trick there. Um and I've just been hooked, hooked the whole time, you know. My and my wallet proves that it just Yeah, I'm actually looking through your wallet right now. I'm looking oh, I'm through sorry. Yeah, no, <laughs> I can't believe how many crypto kitties you have. I can't scroll past them. I'm like going down and down. Well, what kind of happens is you, you end up not being able to sell them. You know how they right, tell us they're right. a, a liquid JPEGs. Well, some of us know more than others how a liquid these things That's the can truth. Get. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And the seller point for CryptoKitties was really just like, as far as like the game goes, it was like you were trying to breed. And if you, there was like a percent chance if you got the combinations right, that you would get like a special, like rare kitty basically right at the start we didn't even know that like they they were there but people hadn't discovered them we had to keep breeding until they happened and they were called fancy cats and like 
the first ones were cropping up and people were like, what is that? And I remember trying, there was one that was, I think it was called Mistletoe. And I tried using that name. It was quite Christmassy. It was December. And I was trying to get these traits like emerald green and a red into the same cat to see if that triggered anything because we were effectively just experimenting. Gas fees were very low. Um, and I'm sure there's often it comes up, you know, crypto kitties broke Ethereum. In reality, Ethereum went for like one gas to maybe 100, 150. I haven't actually gone back and checked, but it was numbers that now a few months ago would seem low. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it got all of that negative uh, headline back then, but really it was the community. Uh, And that's always, you know, community is always the meme, but just to kind of show how powerful that community actually was mainly because it was the pretty much the only community. I know punks existed, but calling that a community is a bit of a stretch. And I sometimes, I think of it in my head a bit like if you go back to our childhoods and you ask people about what games they played, often you'd have played similar games to people because there was no choice. Like now, if you want to play a good shooter game, you know, there's maybe 10 different ones that have loads and loads of people playing at the same time. But back in the day, you know, there'd be one, there'd be one contra genre. Yeah, you know, people are just going for, they're just going for what they can get to, and there was no choice. And CryptoKitties was effectively the only NFT community. And just sort of to hammer that home a bit, the Discord for CryptoKitties in December 2017, it took the CryptoPunks Discord two and a half years to get to as many posts in their whole Discord as CryptoKitties in that. 25 days wow like it was it was active so how many people do you think were because i know a lot of the you know og crypto kitty people like they went on to create their own thing and and we'll talk about what you ended up creating in a second but how many people do you think were like actively involved in crypto kitties like you know in the early days in like 2017 um well the the issue is always you know you can have multiple wallets and the UI wasn't great at the time. So using multiple wallets actually helped you organize your CryptoKitties. Like if you wanted to try and breed something exactly, you would move those traits that would make that to a new wallet and breed from there. So it's not bang on. Um, It was CryptoKitties was the first project to hit a hundred thousand unique wallets. And that wasn't 2017. I think, I mean, the, the stats are on the blockchain, so I'm just pulling it off the top of my head. It was maybe 50,000 different wallets in 2017, which was then never seen again. And I, I guess the the real importance of CryptoKitties wasn't, you know, it wasn't Dapper. It wasn't, I guess it was Axiom Zen back then. It wasn't what they built or the NFTs they've left behind. It was that community and what it sparked because OpenSea, met in CryptoKitties. You know, those guys, they were in CryptoKitties and they saw this this gap in what was obviously going to be, to people who'd been playing, obviously, a huge market for NFTs. And they jumped at that. Uh, Axie Infinity uh, came out of CryptoKitties because they were like, right, we got this CryptoKitties. 
uh, we want to battle them, or we want effectively won a game. And there was a game in production which was called Kitty Battler or Kitty Battles or mm. something along those lines. And at the time, Axiom Zen were always pushing for the community to build stuff. Like they weren't building it themselves. And this is kind of where my cynical side comes out. And I never really believe that you can just leave it to the community. Like there needs to be a figurehead spearing it, building that main game and the community can build around it, but you can't rely on them just because I saw potentially the greatest ever community never build anything. Well, try to build something in it, not take a take on, I guess. What was what community was that? The Crypto Kitties. Okay, okay, gotcha, 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 gotcha. So, like, they built because my theory is almost always if you have that ability, why do you make it for the game and not your own game where you can sell the NFTs, which is exactly what Axie did? Why would you make a marketplace for just Crypto Kitties when you could make it for everyone, which is what OpenSea did? Um, so they, the, the relevant, the, the important part there really is they brought so many people into the space who then went on to do great things. And also CryptoKitties funded effectively flow development and onto top shot. That's cool. Hearing the history of like, Oh, like open you know, the, the founders, like they started in CryptoKitties and, you know, that's how they met and, and formed, um, and everything and, and Axie infinity too. That's really cool. Um, and I was curious, like, okay, so then what did you decide to do? Cause you're like, everyone kind of, you know, all these different things started popping up and people kind of decided to, oh, what problems do they want to solve and, you know, start their own projects and stuff. Um, what did you decide to do, uh, out of crypto kitties? I was a degen is what I decided to do. Um, 2018 Ponzi's hit hard, you know, like now we've got lots of them. But back then, you'd get maybe one a week because it was much harder to copy-paste projects. And you kind of had to come up with something new every time or it wouldn't be bought because there wasn't the money sloshing around that it was now. So I was, back at the time, I was a, a professional gambler and I was, I was doing pretty well for myself. I had all this money to degen around in in crypto basically so i didn't feel like building was for me because i was already running this other business and it wasn't it wasn't actually dj gambling in any way it was very calculated and i thought there were you know ups and downs because that's just variance but i knew what i was getting into and i knew how much i should be making and how much i actually was making and that was a full business uh 24 7 in itself so the the building bug hadn't hit me at that point, but the the degen plays were just fun, like kind of fun, I guess. The, there was no open sea, and you could only sell an NFT project if they'd built their own marketplace, and most couldn't. Um, not many had their own marketplace. So the way of the way you'd sell your NFTs early 2018 is for a method called dividends. It was basically a FOMO ramp where I would buy an NFT and the price would go up a little bit. And that little bit that the price has gone up would go to me. So if someone bought after me, I would get that little, that little dividend in the uptick of the price. So people would just buy and then she'll, she'll like crazy 
Because if people bought it, if loads of people bought in after you, eventually you break even and then you're free rolling. But back in the day, we weren't smart enough to be on Twitter. Crypto art were on Twitter, but everyone else was in Discord. And, you know, just thinking back, that was pretty dumb because you can't, you can only reach people who have already come into NFTs that way. Like, you know, a Discord is gated. You have to press join. Whereas on Twitter, you kind of just shout into the void and it all comes out. So you, there were there were lots of things like death threats back in the day. There was a project called Crypto Celebrities where you'd buy, you know, Elon Musk, Satoshi, and they would just automatically relist on the website a percentage higher. And you would get that percentage would effectively be your profit. You buy it for 10, it relists at 15. It's probably more like 13. And then someone had to buy it for you to then get your ETH back and a little bit of profit. And that went a bit crazy for a while. Like the floor pumped. Everyone was, it was the ultimate floor watching project. And then all liquidity just died. Like one of my friends bought Elon Musk for a hundred Ethereum. Oh. which that was crazy at the time, but probably only 40 K <laughs> like okay. just to, just to put it into context at the time. So like I said, the money was not sloshing around like it is now yep. and nothing happened after that. It was just dead. And people just started not, not my friend. He didn't care, uh, but people started just throwing death threats at this dev team. I do sometimes wonder if there's old projects that were put out, are they still around? Have the founders come back in JPEG madness? Probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How did you just, how did you see it? Cause you said, Oh, you can only sell an NFT if that project had built out their own marketplace. Cause there wasn't an open sea where you can just display and see all your NFTs. How were you able to see what NFTs you had? Like, I don't know if that's a dumb question, but. Uh, on their site, generally. Uh, oh. scan was not what it is now. Um, so it did have some functionality, but it wasn't as easy to use as it is now. So most people couldn't use it in any way. You could use my for wallet to some degree, but generally, yeah, it will be on their website. So I, I still own, it's a nice fun fact is, uh, it's got a famous building in the U S of a that I own and it's called the white house because I bought it on the blockchain. And, uh, obviously that was, that's there forever. I bought it for, I think it was seven Ethereum and I have no idea how to ever see it again. All I know is I own it. <laughs> Maybe you should take claim because we haven't had the best of luck recently with, uh, <laughs> inhabitants there. I'll, uh, I'll see what I can do. Uh, yeah. it was, it was on a site. I think it was you collect or why gov. There were a couple of, Around the same time, so my memory is a bit hazy. But maybe <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Three or four projects where you effectively bought the world and stuff okay. in the world and things like that. Yeah, yeah. There's still even some of them going now. Like some of the, you know, there's a few different ones like that. That's that's really cool hearing your story and all all that history and stuff. Like, so when you were going through all this, did you kind of know like eventually this is really going to catch on? Or was it just kind of for fun? I mean, I guess you were, you were trying to make money, right? But you were having a good time. Like, what did you, did you, like, what did you really think? And then I guess, like, at the end of 2020, beginning of 2021, was that, like, really gratifying to see, like, oh, this really is coming? We did feel like crazy people because, yeah, um, 
when when you go it like 18 and 19 was not really about money because right there wasn't really yeah. much there like mm-hmm. your your average sort of say 12 months ago from now uh so 2021 march if you brought in a dgen friend and you were like look at this discord you know this discord claims to be an alpha group look at that for two weeks that person in two weeks would have made more than most people did in 2018 and 2019 combined yeah, so for two sure. years for sure um yeah so it wasn't like i was making you know a lot of normal person money in gambling so it wasn't really too much about the money it was just there's what's what's the quote along the lines of life is just a game and money is how we score it or something like that so you weren't really making money then for you or for profit or for you know it wasn't for a lambo money or anything like that it was just to be i don't know better than your friends like they've made five if you've made six you did better winner mm-hmm. you know that sort of thing mm-hmm. um we were sure like a group of we got a discord of maybe 15 of us talk daily always you know about our lives as well but nft is always the main topic and we're like come on definitely this is definitely nft is going to be everything we're certain they're just it all clicks for us why isn't it clicking for everyone else and then, you know, you get to the end of 2019 and the sort of NFT bear market was horrific. You know, everyone's down bad. We're like, are we just crazy? Is it us? <laughs> it's not everyone else who's the problem. Maybe it's us that's the problem. And then when, you know, it was probably mid-2020, roughly, I'm not sure exactly when, things were ticking up a bit and we were like, okay, Maybe we're not the crazy ones. Maybe this is actually something. And by January 2021, we were on, we were euphoric on that, uh, you know, the Wall Street's bets market guide. We'd already, we were like, how can this keep going? And obviously it did for, I mean, it kind of still is. Uh, so yeah, it was very, very, you know, just. We're not crazy. Thank you. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I was just going to say, so then when did you, uh, so you're the co-founder of NFT Boxes as well, which uh, Pranksy is also, he's like one of the co-founders, right? It was you and Pranksy that started that and then you ended up leaving it. But could you tell us a little bit about um, NFT Boxes? Yeah, sure. So um in 2017, I got Pranksy into CryptoKitties. Uh, so I, I knew him before NFTs. Uh, and he's in this Discord. He went through, you know, pretty much everything I just said. Uh, we, It's sometimes just going through an event together. You're just like, you know, it strengthens friendships. You've all you're all like, wow, what have we just done? And going through the bear market, crypto bear market and the NFT bear market at the same time, while just playing around in effectively Ponzi NFTs and Ponzi ICOs, we'd we'd sort of, you know, it strengthened the original friendship because it was almost like Stockholm syndrome where we're like, wow, we've (laughs) look at, look at what has happened out there. And, 
only you guys and a handful of others really understand what we've been through. And it there are maybe that sounds, you know, in the context of the Ukraine Russia war going on now, that just sounds over the top to say out loud. But in in the times of 2018 and 19, effectively just bleeding money away that you're hoping because this all started in Crypto Kitties in 2017 as ETH was running to 1,500. Uh, and then suddenly we're buying it at 80 while playing in NFTs. So it, it does affect you quite mentally. And to be affected in the same way as a group sort of, you know, forges, forges those friendships. And at the end of 2020, uh, I think it was December, I just said, look, should we... This this sort of idea of a, a box that a subscription box where you could get different NFTs from had been thrown around in our Discord quite a lot for maybe a year, maybe six months. And I just sent a message like, look, shall we actually do this? Because I knew I could set it up, I knew I could make it work, and I knew Pranksy could contact the artists and I knew Pranksy could sell it. So we kind of complimented each other uh, in that sense. And he said, yes, just started, you know, got to work, working maybe 18, 12 hour days, you know, just crazy, just working constantly on it. Because at this point, it's hard, hard not to love own NFTs. You know, you've been through so much with NFTs, you're sure they're the future. And suddenly there's a bit of an uptick and you're working in you know your hobby your hobby becomes your full-time job and you're just so so motivated to work on it uh pranksy got together the artists and uh effectively used his uh twitter account to market it and we sold out in that january and that was just great we were building this amazing community which quite a lot had come over from top shop because we were quite well known in that community i think almost half of our early buyers maybe maybe 40 percent. it was their first nft their first ethereum nft and it's great to think just looking back that if they kept going they've done very well you know we brought them to ethereum maybe they were you know interested interested already but they came over from top shop tried Ethereum, and if they just kept playing around, there's almost no way they're down, right, at this point. So it's just a, just a good feeling, and nurturing that community was my job. So I was I was talking to them daily. I'm using them, you know, I was just talking in the Discord uh, every day, getting to know these people. There were splinter groups coming off just because of, like, how much certain people were talking to each other. There were, there were a couple of groups that cut off and made their own Discord from NFT boxes, uh, after I'd left because I wanted to focus on the community because, you know, that's what I was doing day in, day out. But Pranksy was talking to the artists day in, day out. And that's where Pranksy wanted to focus. And we both owned 50% of a company, a legally sort of, you know, formed company in the UK. And we were kind of blocking each other because he wanted to take it one way. I wanted to take it another way. And we couldn't get around that because no one no one was 51 percent uh mm-hmm. we we're both like well we we're both co-founders i really don't think just focusing on the art will be good for nfts because you know it's it's not what people want <laughs> it's it's you 
you want to build up the the community more within NFT, but NFT boxes could become this brand that people come around and artists want to do. Whereas Pranksy wants to celebrate the artist, which you know is a, a different noble cause. So it's it's kind of hard to say you're wrong because you know supporting artists is good, and it's kind of hard to say you're wrong because supporting supporting the community is good. And I think uh, some point towards the end of March, I just said, "Look, do you want to buy my half?" Because I can't sell NFT boxes without you, but you can get someone in to do my job uh, was sort of my thinking at that point. And then we had sort of a legal process that took a few months. And then eventually it was sort of, I don't know if it was the first ever NFT project to be sold on chain, but it was, it was fully done in USDT, uh, USDC which was pretty cool. And I, from there, I just caught the bug and I had to keep going. I couldn't, I couldn't stop. I just love talking to everyone in discord and taking on their ideas and trying to implement them. And I had two people that I'd wanted to hire for NFT boxes that I'd kind of promised a job to one of them had left their job of nine years and six months. So it was half a year away from the 10 year mark had quit to help us on NFT boxes, but then there was no, because we were going different ways, there was no role to be filled. And I was like, look, I've made you two quit your jobs. So what should we do? And that's kind of where Penelope was Mm. born from. Although it was actually originally the Cool Cats Country Club. And we were going to implement um, Cool Cats from Topshot and maybe give them some kind of airdrop. And I was in talks with Luke Aldumbo about that because I knew him from, he was in the same Slack that myself and Pranksy were in before CryptoKitties. And then obviously Cool Cats came out and we were like, wow, they're doing well. We can't, we can't use that name. Funnily mm. enough, around the same time was, what was it called? The Canine Country Club, something like that. So we were worried that both parts were going to be completely gone. And they did not quite do a do a cool cut, so we could keep the country club. Nice, yeah. I remember when uh, Penelope's Country Club came out, and the whole team at first was completely anonymous, and then it came out that, and and then it was like a couple weeks, like the minting was open, and like they were just kind of slowly minting, and then once you guys like revealed like who is behind the project, and it was like, oh shoot, Carlini's behind this. And then it just like sold out like almost instantly after that, after you guys like revealed like who was who was the team behind the project. Um, I have three myself and I, I still have uh, the one that I admitted as well. And then I made my sister, Steph, mint some. She's like, what? Why? Why do I need to mint these? I was like, just do it. Trust me. And she's like, she's like, OK, this better work out. <laughs> And obviously it did because, you know, now she's she's up and she's happy and she's holding on strong to her Penelope's. Yeah, it's doing well. Yeah. That's the thing. The sale kind of hurt us because I didn't feel it was right to be like the plan was never to be anonymous. Uh, like I've been I've been Carlini 8 for, you know, since 2017. It's all on chain. However many thousands of transactions I've done over the years. And it's always been me and no one's ever accused me of scamming. So, you know, I've built up that web-free reputation through transactions effectively. And I've done some 
you know, ridiculously large trust transactions that would probably not go through nowadays. But I didn't feel it was right to use my name for Penelope's while people still thought I was working on NFT boxes because the sale hadn't gone through. So we had people, mm-hmm. it, it annoys me when a founder says, you know, they're fully dedicated to a job and then they go and do something else as well, because I know how demanding it is. And if you're, it doesn't matter if like you're saying it, it's, it's about messaging, I guess, if, if that's what you do, if if that's the type of dev you are and everyone knows going into it when you release this project, you know, the beanie meme, uh, the the blue gold, I will dedicate my life in crypto to this. If that's the message you're giving off and then suddenly you're doing something else, that would annoy me personally. And I don't want to do something that would annoy me personally because I imagine that would annoy other people. I, I'd said to Prank, look, I'm going to, I'm doing this project, so I'm going to be anonymous until the sale's gone through because I don't want to harm NFT boxes because it will look bad that I'm sort of abandoning it before the news comes out. And then literally the day the day the sale was finalized is when I unannounced and I was just, hey, this is me. I always wanted to tell you guys, now I can. <laughs> I'm going to do, you know, this is what I'm working on now. It didn't didn't work there for whatever reason but you know i still talk to him most days you know we're on good terms it's not like bad blood or anything like that it just it just didn't work for nft boxes and i i learned from that and now have pretty much final say on penelope's nice um were you with pranksy when he minted the uh the thousand apes or whatever it was 1100 apes Oh, I was told over and over again, mint these, mint these, mint these. I was oh, no. by Frankie, I was told by Jimmy, because <laughs> I think they were maybe one and two holders or one and two minters. And they were like, because originally he minted a few hundred. Okay. And he was like, guys, I've just minted a few hundred of these. You should mint two. And I was like, oh, I, my wallet's, you know, PC's upstairs. Can't be bothered. What's sell it to me. What's special about it? And he was like, there's no FOMO ramp. And I was like, that's not a selling point. Just because Hashmask did it, it's not a right. selling point. Why sell it to me? And he was like, I don't care. Mint them or don't. And I, I was like, oh, <laughs> and then, you know, when he, when he went really gung ho and effectively finished it off, because he minted so many that it sort of hit people's targets. Because at that point it was, you know, if 70% are minted, it's 100% going to mint out because you've hit the right. point of no return. Right. And he got it to over that level and other people did it. And by the time I was then awake, you know, it was done. And I was like, oh, I'll be fine. I won't mm. regret this for the rest of my life. It'll be fine. Oh, my God. <laughs> did you ever buy one or you don't even have you don't even have one? Um, I publicly. Gotcha. Had, okay. I publicly had yeah. one. Okay, uh, for okay. a bit, but for quite a while now, I've had most of my NFT holdings. I can't do this for the ones that I've already bought with my main wallet. But if I'm buying something else, I say I, I basically have a new fresh wallet that okay. no one knows is me. Just for I guess security. Ew. 
Mm-hmm. So you probably have some jet. You're probably dingling. I am not. Oh though, God, yeah. <laughs> Can you confirm or deny? Dingling. I, okay. I would never rug myself. I I spent twenty Ethereum washing Penelope's on Looks Rare to so the community could have the Looks Rare bonus. And then a few weeks ah. later, every project got it. And I DM'd him and I was like, you've rugged me. <laughs> and he was like, oh, Damn. sorry. And I was like, don't worry. I rugged you on uh, the LeBron <laughs> packs I sold you in Top Shot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I remember when you were selling um, unopened packs, actually. And you would like, oh, yeah, pay me and I'll open it for you and send you the moments. I remember my friends had bought some from you. It was fun. It was yeah. a lot of work, but it was most people ended up from that because I I kind of worked out the EV and then underpriced it just because I got the money and then people were happy as well, generally. You know, I did a couple of people had rough, rough pulls, but you know, 90% mm. were happy. And it was it was because I got the pack opening experience. And then I got right. to hear their reactions as well. It was quite fun. Yep. Yep. Cool. Yeah. So uh, go back to Penelope's for us. And what's kind of the ethos of the project where you, I saw that there was the roadmap 2.0 and I was reading over that, but kind of in your words, like, where do you want to take it? What do you, what do you see happening with it? Like, uh, so my, my main thesis is be able to pivot. Um, NFTs are going everywhere. Just everything online that you could own will be an NFT when it's feasible we're not there yet nfts are not yet better but all of us degenerates mostly know they're going to be better so there's this uh there's this bill gates youtube video uh about the internet in 1995 yeah he was on like he was on like letterman yeah exactly that's hilarious where he's he's all excited because you can listen to i think it was a baseball game on the internet and letterman just says have you not heard of the radio? Because the radio <laughs> uh-huh. was better. But if you could see where it was going, you could see that the internet was going to be better. And I think that's where we are. I mean, it's not I think it's where we are now. It is where we are with NFTs. It yeah. is harder. You know, a big, a big DeFi account, five years in the space, got hacked this morning and lost NFTs. Mm. It's not easy for the, a normal person to come into this space. You have to be careful. You have It's not convenient. The world is going more and more convenient everywhere else, and NFTs are just not yet convenient and safe. Yep. But we are going to – NFTs will be better than the current alternatives, and everything will be an NFT. And that doesn't mean that everything will be expensive. Most NFTs – this isn't a 99% are going to zero claim. It's a – 99% will start at zero. Like they're, they're created to have no value, but they're useful. And yep. you won't even know they're NFTs. You know, this is 10 years mm. in the future. And Penelope's is built firstly with that core ethos of my community days and NFT boxes. I genuinely enjoyed making the Discord happy and sort of taking on their ideas and building on it. and sort of theorizing where nft boxes could go and i took that with penelope's and you know step one was create something that me and my friends could work on step two hire more people in to make this thing for uh the community so now we've got 
nine full-time people working on Penelope's. And we've done some some pretty great things. Well, you know, community is a meme, you know, everyone has to say their community is great. But we have on-chain info that you can look at that shows that we took in 800 Ethereum from our mint and we put so much of that back in, all on-chain, all visible. We put we we bought a collective vault of NFTs that's called the Kitty Vault, which is currently worth about a thousand Ethereum. And that is that is co-owned by our whole community. Um, and I see that almost as a gold standard. Uh, like back in the day, gold backed the dollar. Uh, and if you wanted to, you could take your dollar and say, can I have my gold, please? You know, no one did that because that was stupid, but you knew it was there. And it's almost a bit like that. You know the NFTs are there, so you know your NFT has an underlying sort of protection from any kind of just complete rug, I guess. Because for your for your Penelope to be worth zero, you know, all NFTs have to be worth zero, kind of all that we have. And we, you know, we've got we got punks, we got apes, we got mutants, we got a dog. Um we've just claimed our ape and we voted the community voted to sell it to buy new projects and i imagine we'll probably buy a doodle with that we've got cybercongs you know we've got some heavy hitters in there that add up to a thousand ethereum of value we are going down the brand route so something i think that will be huge that hasn't really taken off yet is ens subdomains so my username on Twitter is Kalini8. So my brand, .pcc, the community that I like the most, .eth, mm-hmm. the chain I like the most. And we have 200 other .pcc.ethers on Twitter. And we have closing in on 500 ENS subdomains registered. And they work, you know, just as well as ENS subdomains in general. But while turning your username into a profile picture at the same time, because I can't search for everyone on Twitter with a Penelope's profile picture, but I can search .pcc.eth, click on people and follow everyone that's in my community effectively. Oh, wow. And it also is kind of a proof of verification because they are attached to the cat. So you can only have a .pcc.eth if you have one of our cats, and if you sell that cat, it follows. So our community manager, Peter, Papa, he got a lot of questions about staking. Uh, NFT, the NFTX vault released single-sided staking, where you could just stake effectively your PER, which is just a tokenized Penelope. And he was like, okay, I'm getting so many questions. I'm going to try this out. <laughs> and he staked his cat without knowing that he'd actually sold it and someone else bought it and had his ENS name until he'd managed to work out a deal to get it back. So having that ENS name is proof that you are actually a holder, which when Twitter have the hexagon for ENS names, I'm sure it won't be a hexagon, you know, how would they decide to show this ENS name is true? You won't have the verified board apes that are 12 professional gamers and auto bot like all of your posts. You know, they can't they can't farm Twitter to effectively just sell a Twitter account with more followers. 
because it's it's verified via that ENS. And right. so the click there is you just ask the question, if Bored Apes did it, how many people would do it within 24 hours? Probably mm. thousands. Yep. It's like when everyone, all the Bored Apes put like the banana, like in their profile or whatever. And it was like, oh, if you had the banana, like you had a board ape. But that's really cool. I didn't know you can just um so so is it kind of like just to kind of compare and and make more sense of it? Um if you were to sell your Penelope that you have your ENS name attached to, is that kind of like if you were to sell your space doodle and then it like sells your doodle? I pretty much, yeah. Um, so you know how when you buy an ENS sub, uh, an ENS domain, you get that mm-hmm. NFT uh, yeah. that's in your wallet. Imagine you just smash that inside your Penelope. It's it's just in there. So yeah, if you sell it, it's gone, and it can't be separated. Um, so so yeah, it's a bit like selling your your space doodle underfloor. Which to be honest, I'm surprised only two people did that. Uh, you know, we've <laughs> yeah. got a lot of a lot of people who don't read and, <laughs> mm, I know. and just act first, think later in this space. Right. Yeah. Act first, think later. <laughs> Not the best technique, but. Oh, I've, I've um, got a lot of bags that show that I've been doing that for a long time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. La- I mean, yeah, it's like sometimes you have to think fast, but it's like at the same time, you know, you have to try to be super cautious as well, especially if you're. You know, for you gave the example of oh, somebody you know lost five million dollars worth of that had or a million dollars worth, and they had been in the space for five years, um, and it was like you know they were using a hot wallet, and they just I don't know. I think they had clicked on some PDF thing. Like I was like, trying to look into it. Yes, um, it was but, a it was a PDF that they'd always a Google Doc sheet. I think that they'd made to look like. It was being sent from someone within their company. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were just like, oh, was this person sending it for a click? And then at least two wallets compromised. Jeez. Um, what advice would you give to maybe new people or even people that have been in the space for a while, but maybe they don't know too much about, you know, securing their assets like you know what type of advice would you give to to people on how to make sure that you don't get scammed out of your nfts that's that's such a hard one isn't it because it it should be easy it feels like you're going back in time really um people have got used to now that if it's actually worth something if you you know if you get if you get stolen money stolen out your bank, you know, generally you get it back. If someone steals your card and spend on it, generally you get it back. And that's what people are used to. And then you've got to say, Hey, come to this space. And suddenly the level of protection you actually have to follow to be definitely secure is kind of insane. Like I I put out a post a, a few months ago just based on the sort of scams of the time that I thought more people were getting scammed because of hardware wallets than like if hardware wallets didn't exist, I think less people would be scammed because hardware wallets protect against the kind of thing that happened this morning. So 
his computer was compromised, and that's what a hardware wallet protects against. But that isn't the common scam. That's much harder than the scams that just to to do. It's always social engineering, yeah. which I guess even you know even the one today was kind of a social engineering. But it's hey. Uh, let's do this trade. And then the trade is fake and they're still signing it over regardless of the hardware wallet or, hey, let's, uh, let me animate your NFT for you. Let's send it over, which is effectively just the RuneScape trimming armor scam from, you know, 2002, maybe, you know, all the way back then. But if you, it depends how, you know, there are the absolutely high-level, insane versions where you get yourself a dedicated machine uh, with its own mobile internet uh, set. With its, You have a dedicated phone um, for 2FA that no one else knows exists. Um, maybe you even have that. You just have that as a pay-as-you-go uh, and you use a hardware wallet. And the key always, always is to understand the hardware wallet protects your seed phrase and it protects you typing it. Like you, the, its whole purpose is that you never type your seed phrase um, and that your uh, MetaMask or Rainbow Wallet can't be compromised uh, while, you know, from someone getting into your machine. That, that's its purpose. Some people think it just stops all scams, you know, because, hey, I don't want to get scammed. What do I do? Top 10 replies are get a hardware wallet. Quite often from people who don't fully understand what a hardware wallet does. So a hardware wallet is very good, but it often adds a level of uh, complacency because people don't fully understand why they should have it. And when I'm saying all these things, like get a dedicated machine and a, a dedicated internet uh, line and its own phone and then a hardware wallet uh the grid grid plus is pretty cool um because it's it gets all of that information into a readable sort of you you, you know what you're signing more with the grid plus over a ledger which kind of helps towards those um social engineering scams but at the end of the day it's it's 90% intuition. Like, should I be doing this? This this Discord is doing a stealth mint for no reason. They've not said a mint is coming and they're spamming everyone a hell of a lot. Let's mint. You know, you, sh- you shouldn't be minting there. It's, it's avoiding the situations, avoiding situations where you're, FOMOing for speed will stop you getting scammed much more than a setup uh, because your your personal security is a scale of what you're comfortable with all the way. Like there is just no way to be foolproof in this space right now because you have to put your seed phrase somewhere. Uh, and even uh, Vitalik has spoken about how when he dumped Sheba, he had to call all these different people because he's got a multi-sig and he's uh, split up his seed into uh, each one has a different seed for the multi-sig or something like that. He, for obvious reasons, didn't fully go, go deep into it because, you know, then people can sort of reverse engineer it. 
Mm-hmm. But you could work out if you put enough effort in, anyone can get those seed phrases and access a multisig, you know, and that's that's the absolute insane level of security that you can do. You can have dedicated machine, internet, hardware wallet, 2FA, uh, which would just be for exchanges, I like. You can't 2FA, say, MetaMask or the blockchain or anything like that. And then you could have a multi-sig that's split up between five different people and you have to call them. Even that, there is a possible attack vector and there is no one that can save you if that is attacked. So it is incredibly unlikely though. You know, we, we're talking about, we cross the road every day because there is a risk there when you cross the road, but there's a, you accept that as you cross the road and you kind of have to decide where your level of risk insecurity is and what you think is likely. Like those, those insane sort of, uh, the recent two, the two individuals who were found from the, was it BitMEX hack? Uh, and all I, all I can really remember is the the girl had the wrapping. Yes, <laughs> I remember that, yeah. <laughs> like they had the seed phrase on the cloud, which right. is a high level of risk. But even, you know, when you look at the tweets afterwards, they're like, oh my God, they kept that, they kept their seed phrase on the cloud that's stupid blah blah of course it's stupid but even that is a low level of risk because you have to know to attack this person and know that their seed is stored there like unless maybe you know they were absolutely insane and had a dropbox and the file just said bitcoin seed phrase or you know something like that mm-hmm. but still you have to go and find it if you get in it's all very unlikely, but it does, it can happen. Yeah. Uh, and I, I'm not big brain enough to even know how, how this is solved because the future of everyone having a ledger just isn't it. Like that's, that's not sound money. That's right. Yeah. Cause yeah. Cause it's like, it, it's kind of crazy to think that it's like, you know, a lot of people are connecting the same wallet that they have all of their money or like most of their, you know, digital assets in to these sites where it's like, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. And obviously, you know, you want to be educated and be able to read, you know, what transactions you're signing, but it's, it's definitely very risky. And like you had said, you don't think it's at the level of it being something that, everybody and normal people can comfortably do. Um, So I'm curious, I know you said you don't know like how to solve this problem, but well, what do you kind of see the future of NFTs being? Like, how do you see things kind of working into more mainstream adoption to where everybody has uh, a wallet or I guess everybody owns things digitally on the blockchain? Um, How do you see that? playing out in the future i can see wallets being automatically built into a browser and automatically coming with your phone like right now you have to add metamask or add uh rainbow you know you have to go out of your way to get it onto your even brave you know which is you know it's a crypto browser effectively 
but you still have to go and add your wallet. I think that will be built in. And the, I guess the issue is there's, there's always that battle between the people who were originally in Bitcoin, you know, they had different motivations and where the world end up, where the world ends up with crypto and NFTs is not going to be a world they're happy with. They're going to look at it and say, this is not what Bitcoin is for. Like, Maybe your browser, a bit like how if you're on your iPhone and you've got a Mac as well, you can copy on your iPhone and paste on your Mac. I can see that sort of thing happening with your browser and your mobile, which implies to me there's some sort of cloud service going on, which, you know, big no-no. But I think that's just where it's going to go. The world always pushes towards easy and we're not at easy and for 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 my vision of everything online being an nft there are there are lots of hurdles you know fees need to be zero basically um and i can see things like immutable x pushing us there security needs to be solved and I don't know fully how, and it needs to be easy. It, you need to, right now, I don't even use my card because in the UK, I just I just tap my phone, Apple Pay, away we go. It is, it's a bit annoying because I use my Curve card, which is then attached to my crypto.com card because I can't add that to Apple Pay. So I am kind of paying with crypto, but until we're at that level, we're not going to see every every ticket you get is going to be an NFT. Every yep. um, every you know piece of music you you listen to will be an NFT. All the art you buy will just be an NFT. I mean, phys- physical art, you know, it will remain, but you know, digital art will be an NFT. It's just when there's no reason for anything on your computer or phone to not be an NFT then everything just will be. And I think we'll also have rebranded away from NFT at that point. Uh, I think too many people hate NFTs at the moment. And just with everything being an NFT, they'll just be a lot happier with some new buzzwords. And I always just think of Parks and Recreation where um, Leslie Nope who's a, count, a city councillor, if uh, anyone hasn't watched it, she's trying to put fluoride in their water and no one wants it. No one wants it at all. And then they put on some presentation where they call it H2Flow and just, you know, some jazzy, you know, lights and a dance and everyone loves right. it and they get right. it. In. It's just a rebranding effort to get everyone on board. Yeah. You know, I actually see, like I envision, and I'm not saying this is a good thing, but like, I bet like a lot of people that want to be super safe are going to have their wallets through like Chase Bank or Bank of America or things like that. And those companies will actually have like wallets for people holding their stuff where it will be, you know, insured to a degree like your Chase credit card or your Bank of America credit card. You thought about that at all? Do you think those companies will provide that? There's probably a lot of people 
like that's not the the route I would go, but um, I I think that that's something that's going to come. I think all those businesses are going to want to do things like that. Every Bitcoin maxi have just lobbed there. Yeah, no, I know, oh, I know. <laughs> but yeah, Trust I mean, me. it will. Yeah. It just will. Yeah. It, yeah, yeah. There's nothing we can do about it, and in a way, it almost reminds me of uh, DC Investor. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen, sort of, you know, with with Yuga Labs buying Lava Labs IP for for punks and me bits. You know, he's kind of changed his views a bit uh, around NFTs, mm-hmm. and what what he's done there is something has happened. Very, there has been variable change. It's a bit like uh, the Monty Hall problem, where there are three doors. The game show host asks you to pick one. You pick it. He opens a different one and says, shows the prize isn't there and says, do you want to swap? And the answer is yes, because originally you had a one in three chance and now you have a one in two chance. And there there are stipulations that are important. You know, he knows where it is and that's actually important in the logic of this. But what's happened with uh, Yuga and Lava Labs is... Uh, DC Investor has learned something new. He has now learned, not that behind this door is a goat, he has learned that your IP can be sold. And he has uh, reacted accordingly based on his own views. So if you don't, so I guess the point I'm getting at, if you yourself don't want this wallet with Chase Bank, you won't have it. But people who don't care about crypto. And there will be lots of people, even people born today, who will never care about crypto because there are just people like that. There are people now that don't care about the internet, which, you know, seems insane to me, but it is the case. And there will be obviously the older generations that will just never, there will be people within the older generations that will never come around. Uh, I have seen there's a is 99-year-old or 100-year-old um, generative artist who's kind of connecting with art blocks at the moment. So, you know, there will be older people who care. I'm not saying, you know, all of them won't. Uh, there just will be older generations when we get fully mainstream that won't care at all. And they'll be like, okay, if I have to have one of these to order a ticket to the theatre, then I'm just yep. going to go with Chase because that's who's got my my money uh, they haven't stolen yeah. from me 80 years of my life. I'll get the Chase wallet. And yeah. in, a, in a way, you could argue that is decentralization because people can then pick a, a decentralized option if they want, but they've chosen Chase. Like they have, it's more about options, right? And where your values are, you can go to where your values are. So I, I will always wants non-custodial ownership of I will back myself of my of my money of my nfts and maybe I do get hacked but that's the risk I've taken maybe other people will want chase because maybe they offer some sort of insurance there, ha- there have been quite a lot of quite a lot of chatter the last few weeks about some kind of crypto insurance slash nft insurance so that would be interesting to watch how that grows over the years and how people can protect you. Yep. Yep. Interesting. Very cool. 
I'm glad to hear your perspective and I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, also, I just I just wanted to also kind of mention because you're talking about non-custodial wallets. And I'm curious to hear your thoughts on on flow, because you also didn't mention flow when you were like, oh, I could see uh blockchains with no gas fees, like immutable um becoming more popular. Uh bringing this back to top shot, because as I can see here on Evaluate Market, you are ranked number 86. Absolute you're, scam. You're, you're like huge collector, right? Like I you're should a be giant one. whale on top shot. <laughs> you shall be number one, but you're number 86, so according to our me. site. Um, yeah. So I'm just curious. I know they just introduced, um, they just like allowed non-custodial wallets for um, like basically sites that are compatible with flow. So obviously it's like, OpenSea, you can't, you know, you can't like move your um, your and your your cosmic moment to be displayed on OpenSea, but you can do it on things like Blockto and and some other um, ones that that are like that allow flow. Um, and I'm just curious to hear your thoughts on flow. Like, are you bullish on flow at all? You do have a big Top Shot collection, and yeah, I'm, I'm curious your thoughts on that. Well, I do own flow. Um... I had a lot of dapper credits back in the day when, you know, early 2021, when stuff was taking off uh, and that was effectively put into flow, you know, I was like, okay, this is, it is a blockchain built for NFTs because like I said earlier, dapper were pretty much the NFT community for so much of, of their life. Um, they brought so many people in and they saw the issues with Ethereum. And instead of going, right, we can't we can't do what we want on Ethereum. Let's try and fix Ethereum and say Polygon, uh, Intermatic doing their thing, Mutable X doing their thing. They went, okay, let's try and make a chain that is focused on NFTs, I guess. Um, so they have uh, Deep, the guy who effectively invented the ERC721, uh, inventing the flow standard uh, NFT over there. And I guess I just want to crowbar in how I see some terrible influencer takes just on NFTs in general. Like I, I often see the take that Topshot aren't NFTs because they're not in a non-custodial wallet, which... Is a terrible take because at no point in the word NFT does it say non-custodial or you have to have it in your wallet or you know anything like that. It just it is an NFT that can eventually be moved to a non-custodial wallet. They've always said it's coming, and they have just just now, like you say. So I well, I don't know if I've Twitter's been going off that you know Disney is buying dapper i my views may change if that happened because what what does disney know about the blockchain but i do think we're going to be in a world of lots of different chains i am i, I guess i'm not an eth maxi but you know my time is spent on ethereum i didn't even i i invested in flow in the original sale I told all my friends, I told everyone I know, these guys are who I 
you know, I learned NFTs from, I think they'll do well buying this round. And it was, you could buy 10,000 flow for not, uh, for 10 cents a flow. And I told everyone I knew to do it just because I was, I was sure, you know, they'd get it right. And you could definitely argue that they have. I know it's not, flow is not what everyone wants it to be. It's, it does have, you know, Dapper runs it. And no one runs ETH. You could you could argue the Ethereum Foundation have have big sways, like no one's going to go up against them, uh, but it's not quite to anywhere near the level of uh, Dapper's control over flow. But it is still a blockchain, and they do deliver eventually what they said they're going to do. So I do still hold flow. Obviously, I still hold uh, my top shop moments, but my problem, my problem there is, I don't like basketball. It's, I, I don't <laughs> like, I don't like any American sports. Basketball is probably the only, probably your best one because you don't you don't do five seconds of sport and then have a fifteen minute break. Uh, or I guess you you guys love. I'm saying you. You know, I mean America. Uh, yeah, I don't even watch basketball, love, so I don't know you love baseball, who you're talking about. But over here, you know, that's just adults rounders for me, I'm afraid. We used to just, you know, go to the park and play rounders just for fun. Uh, so I, I can't get into collecting these players. So for me, I, I was actually invited to the Alpha and I declined because I said, look, I don't know anything about basketball. I only know about Steph Curry because he was going to be a crypto kitty at one point until they found out they weren't dealing with him. They were dealing with his media company uh, and they actually got rid of them. But that's how I learned who Steph was. I knew MJ. I knew Kobe because obviously you just shout Kobe whenever you throw anything. Uh, and Shaq, <laughs> literally the free the free basketball players I knew. You're going to make so many Topshop collectors mad because you have a huge Topshop bag and you don't know basketball. I got a lot of shit for that as well. Hey, Topshop people, I declined. <laughs> I said, I don't know basketball. It's mm. not for me. And then they came back and said, just just look at it from an NFT perspective for us. Give us, give us takes. And mm. I do like to think I gave a lot of feedback and, you know... Sometimes it got pretty heated. <laughs> uh, so I I do think I helped. I, obviously, I didn't in any way build anything or contribute loads. But, you know, I just, I just helped as a voice push it to where it is. And I do think Top Shot gets a lot of um, unfortunate sort of claims about it because... NFTs themselves have just run so much. And if you're thinking, if you're if you're investing now, you're doing it wrong. Like if you are buying top shot moments to invest, you are there for the wrong reason. Because people were not buying Pokemon cards 26 years ago to invest. That the handful that did were keeping sealed boxes in a garage and they waited 26 years and it was actually about 24 years until Pokemon cards popped off. So if you're buying to invest and you're happy to wait 20 plus years, sure, go ahead. But if you're angry because in three months, the price is lower, 
then you should you shouldn't be buying it in my opinion dapper you, yeah. sorry go ahead no i was gonna say you're actually you make a great point and you're exactly right jennifer jennifer and i touched on this in the last episode that there are some nfts sure that you that you know people are in to make money and you're going to make money and that's what the kind of the the what they're almost what they're there for but there's a lot of nfts that are literally products just like other products in the world and it's not going to be worth more than what you paid for it right away maybe you'll get lucky and over the decades it will you know i i agree with that and another point you you brought up a point how you guys weren't into basketball i'm a huge basketball fan and sometime in late 2020 i saw an advertisement for it and i remember seeing like why would i want to buy a digital moment i was like I remember, I'm like, why would I want that? So that's a Everyone shame. That's somewhere, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, I have a post on, um, so my Instagram at the time, I was trying to, it was for Pokemon. So I was following all of these Pokemon card accounts uh, on a sort of burner Instagram account. And then when I was invited to Topshot, I started following all these basketball card uh, accounts and I have posts that I've kept. We we turned that account into the Penelope's Instagram account, but we, so we've hidden them. But it's like, it's maybe June 2020, shilling top shot. Like, look, I can't actually get you into this yet because it's beta and I'm not actually allowed to invite you. No, it was alpha, sorry, at that point. But when it's when I'm allowed, I will send all my followers a link to what I think will be huge. And that that's just it. It will be huge, but people are comparing it to NFTs that are making money. And that's almost the problem with utility. As soon as you add utility to something, it's always priced on the utility. Mm. Whereas if you have no utility, it's always priced on potential mystical future utility. This NFT could solve the world, but this NFT that has a an exact utility is worth much less because it does its job. And it's it's just tricky, right? Because Dapper have form for basically saying we want our product to be accessible. Des- December 2017, there will be news articles somewhere online where they call they caused a huge ruckus in Discord by saying, We want there to be crypto kitties that cost two dollars. And people were like, What the hell? The floors. The floor is 0.1 for any crypto kitty, which at the time was over a hundred dollars because we were in that run-up. You want you want us to oversupply this so much that this hundred dollars goes down 50x. They they were effectively yes. Their mission is bring a billion people to the blockchain, and they're trying to build a product. So while while there are, you know, lots of issues. For instance, I still can't sell those packs, which I was told in, you know, coming up to two years ago that I would be able to eventually. Apparently the end of this year, although I feel you because I've been hearing about it since I joined Top Shot too. That, that's the uh, thing. But, it's, it's always the end yeah. of some point in time, isn't I know, it? I know, I <laughs> know. Yeah. So when it, when it comes, but great, but that's just an example of, you know, there are legitimate issues. But I know they're printing loads of moments, but that's because people keep buying them. If people stop buying them, there'll be less moments. And people are buying them because quite a lot are trying to invest or make money, which just wasn't the case for comparable products. Magic, Pokemon, 
um, you know, just just cards that are worth money now or collectibles that are worth money now are never flipped right away. The right. It needs to take time, and time is what makes it valuable. And people getting locked out of their Top Shot accounts because they forget how to log in and, and things like that. Yep, that's that's what will make these valuable um, because people are comparing them to NFTs like Bored Apes and Doodles mm. and things like that, and they're just completely different vehicles. So not to not to sound like a, Ma- a dapper Maxi or anything like that. It's just at no point was it ever. It's it's hard to say as someone who did on chain, you can visibly see that I profited on Top Shot. So you know it's hard to then come in and tell everyone the whole point of this isn't to make money. Because I do think the whole point wasn't to make money, but I did. So it's hard for me to say that. Right. So I need yeah. someone who's down to come and say that. <laughs> <laughs> someone that's down to say. I have one last question for you. Um Michael, if you have a last question after this, let me know. Otherwise, we're coming to a close here. But I'm curious, you know, you've been in NFT since 2017. It's been, what, five years or something. And you've seen, you've been here through the cycles. You've been here through the 2018-2019 NFT bear market. You know, as you said, you know, we're still in that, like, euphoria phase right now. What do you... What do you think the in the next maybe year, like you know, kind of immediate future of NFTs? What do you think about the market right now? And what do you think the market is gonna look like maybe in like a year from now? I will start this by saying I am a terrible trader. I can <laughs> if I can I can buy NFTs. I can I can do NFTs most of the time pretty well. But when it comes to trying to figure out what to do with ETH, I, I'm just always wrong. You know, I know everyone says, oh, if I sell, you know, ETH will go up, you're welcome. But it just, it does happen. If I'm even, it gets to the times where I'm like, right, I would normally sell now. I have the feeling that I would sell. I know I'm a terrible trader, so I'm going to hold. And what's it do? <laughs> it goes down more. Even though I've tried to counter trade myself, it still goes down. So I, I just can't get it right. But what I will say is, I don't think we have had an NFT bear market. I'm sure there are some people who say there are certain fundamentals that point towards, you know, whatever. But in my experience of NFT bear markets, and it is hard to say because obviously the, the market is wildly different now. There are so many more people in to the point where the percentage gain since the actual bear market is at levels that I think differ hugely to say a crypto Twitter cycle or a crypto cycle in general uh, that the people on crypto Twitter have uh, seen and been through. Like that, that change in the amount of people that were in NFTs in 2018 and 19 to the amount of people in uh, NFTs now will be such a bigger percentage jump than any crypto cycle at peaks and bottoms that I'm not sure my NFT bear market experience is in any way relevant. So I, I guess I I don't think we will see what I would consider an NFT bear market. I'm sure we'll see an NFT bear market where other people will lose a bit of interest because some people, I mean, I don't mean some people, but 
most people are here, you know, for profit. Some people come for the profit, fall in love with NFTs and will stay in a downturn. But when it is really, you know, pure max pain, 90% down, people will leave just because of how it's, it's not easy anymore. And I feel like levels of engagement on Twitter is still pretty high. I'd like to think we'll be okay. I've, yeah, I think we'll be okay. It, it would, I think it will take Ethereum breaking under $700. If Ethereum breaks under $700. No, don't talk about that. Oh my I God. think, I think, uh, <laughs> Carlini, I think NFTs, Carlini. NFTs will go <laughs> that like pain that you, you guys will experience my pain. You will know. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. Because, I mean, that's what happened. We went from 1,500 ETH. Uh, so we had days where, you know, make a few ETH on CryptoKitties. Um, 1,500 ETH. Uh, lovely. What a day. And this was in a time where it was not easy to make money. I mean, it kind of was, but the levels of mm-hmm. money you were making was uh, was very tiny compared to now. And then we literally... <clears throat> We literally, there's some some big person in Top Shot. There is a meme in our group. I'm not going to say who it is, but they sold ETH at $80. And Oof, Dan Horrendous. Yeah, they were they were a bit of a meme. Who was it? We need answers. Uh, you will know them. What? I know them. Yeah, but they're not in. They're, like they're not in my group, so I'm not going to. Can you tell me after we record? <laughs> no, I can't. <laughs> I say publicly and then <laughs> uh so it was you know it was so down bad ETH is what halved and it's it's even it's up from half now because we never hit yeah yeah we never hit 6k so we're at free now so to me that isn't pain like it's it's a lot more money that you're losing but percentage wise it's not pain so I don't know because you see these Twitter accounts that, you know, they've been here for years and years and they're talking about super cycles and are they just psyoping us? Mm-hmm. Are they, are they trying <laughs> to make us exit liquidity or do they truly <laughs> believe it? I, I think we'll be good. I think big things are happening. Uh, and I genuinely think that NFTs held crypto up. I think it was almost the other way around. I think crypto would have dumped harder without our insane bull run last year. So I think a real use case has helped because people are seeing, you know, crypto in general has all these sort of niche uses and some of them are incredibly powerful. But how do you know that Uniswap is great unless you're in crypto? Like you can't. But when you just come and have fun in NFTs, it it sucks it's sucking people in and top shot was a huge sort of multiplier of that because so many people came into top shot because it was so easy it was sign up on a sign up to a site which people are used to deposit with a card which people are used to buy stuff online which people are used to and then we saw the migration from top shot of people like oh metamask install try and send some eth to it and they're learning because of that easier on-ramp. And I just think we've captured too many people. So and we, from those people, we're then, ca- you know, we've got Nike. 
I say we've got Nike, you know, they bought Artifact. We sucked Nike in. Uh, Bored Apes are now owned by, well, you know, they're not, they're invested in by lots of different companies. OpenSea have got lots of big players invested in them. Nameless, lots of big players invested in them. I think too much money has come in for us to experience a normal sort of bear. I think we're, it's it's the sort of big waves getting smaller and smaller as we get more mainstream. So I think in a year, I'm going to call and sound dumb in a year, 8,000 ETH. Oh, 8,000 ETH. We're going to bring you back on the show in a year. 10 like, projects. Yo, Carlini, about that 8,000 ETH. 10 that projects predicted. over 100 ETH. Oh, shoot. Floor. Bold predictions out here. And they have Let's at go. least 1,000 in the collection. Because, you know, I could just make what, 10 NFTs right, single right, and then listen right. for 111. One, one. Um, and I think, let me... Let me have a look at the top. So so when this bull market started, what I looked at was which project has done the most volume ever. And that was CryptoKitties. Maybe at the time Axie Infinity, but it was tricky because not everyone was looking at the right chains and combining them. So all the charts had CryptoKitties at the top. And I think it was $26 million all time traded on CryptoKitties, which was way way ahead of anyone else, except, you know, like I said, maybe Axie because of the uh, multiplier. And now, now when I try and find them, CryptoKitties have, are on 47.8 million. So almost doubled since the start of 20, the start of 2021, they've almost doubled their volume and they're in 96. It's Kind of insane. Yeah, CryptoBats by Ozzy Osbourne. That's a recent thing that's come out. Yep. So 51 million is ahead of CryptoKitties, which was literally the top selling project in 2017, 2018, 2019. And going into 2020, of all time, it had always been top, basically. And now it's 96. So the top right now is Axie at 4 billion. I think in a year, how oh, do I go? What do I go? A max project. At $25 billion. For, for context, Bored Apes is currently at $1.5 billion. Yep. Wow. Yeah. So it's a big jump. Dang. Bold predictions at the oh, end I'm here. I'm going to look um, so dumb in a year. <laughs> Eve will be five. $5. And uh, like, there will, yeah, there will $5. be 10 projects oh over God. 100 because it's yeah. so cheap. <laughs> Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, Hey, some hopium towards the end, you know, some, some optimism to end the show here uh, for all of our listeners. That's great. I hope that does happen. That would be amazing. Please do not um, buy Ethereum because I say it will be 8,000. <laughs> I have told no, you I'm terrible at trading. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, we have a disclaimer at the beginning. Short, not short advice, okay, don't worry. Don't yeah. worry. <laughs> uh, Michael, you have any, you have a last minute thing to yeah, say? Yeah, the only yeah, the only other thing I usually ask everybody is, and we can do it real quick. But do you have any other favorite projects, favorite builders in the space? Um, you know, things that you think are going to do really well long term. Um, anything I, like that? I have to. I do have to say, I was I was blown away by 
Bored Ape's execution of the ape yep. drop. Just yep. the way they had every exchange, you know, all the top exchanges coordinated, uh, tweeting at the same time. It was just it was just a level of execution that we haven't seen in this space. Uh, and to add to that would be Doodles at South by Southwest. Uh, yep. They're in in real life uh, event. The execution there was incredibly high as well. Um, I do like V Friends because I just think it shows, we're seeing, you know, Floyd Mayweather has now announced he's coming in. And what we're seeing is Gary is showing how celebrities should come into the space. Uh, I guess he wouldn't call himself a celebrity, call himself a builder and others would call him an influencer, which he will take. He'll take that and be like, no, but I build. And he's showing us that. You said Floyd Mayweather announced he's coming into the NFT space? Again, yes. Yeah, I was going to say, because he he had that other project that was was awful. He did something with. uh, Yeah, but he he had his own uh, Floyd's world. And it was like, it was a disgrace. Oh, well, he's coming back. Yeah, Yeah, okay. After after getting, I'm pretty sure he got sued for what he did in 2017. He's normally a tough indicator. Okay, okay. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I guess I'd back World of Women as well, just because. Nice, yep. uh, They've got Guy represents them. And he, in my opinion, uh, you know, I don't know behind the scenes. So it's just, I guess, a hot take from looking on the outside. I think he took Board 8 to the next level. I think he's the one who's made them what they are. Obviously, the founders have worked very hard, and I don't want to yeah. take away from them. But that guy's level of execution and ability is so high. And with him working with World of Women, we can see them going places. Yeah, Guy Siri, you're talking about? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And cool. I, I guess the other one I'd say is Cybercons, because they mm. have introduced what I think is the next step for NFTs, which is the token yield. Uh, and I think they've done that and I think they've done that well. Uh, and that's cool. kind of inspired me. Yep. Nice. They would be my picks. Cool. Thank you. Cool. Um, well, thank you so much, Carlini, for coming on the show. Seriously, this was awesome. Maybe we should title this like NFT history lessons with Carlini. I don't know. <laughs> I but don't know. That implies um, I'm going to teach anyone anything. Uh, <laughs> just, you did. You did. Old, no, old yeah, NFT boomer rambles. For... <laughs> no. <laughs> um, no, this has been... Yeah, this has been great. And actually, there's been um, some of our listeners have requested for us to talk about, oh, can you talk about historical projects or things from the past? And so like this, uh, this will be a nice interview for them, for those people requesting that to listen to as well, um, yeah. since you talked a lot about, you know, older projects and whatnot. But yeah, thank you so much, Carlene, for coming on the show. And thank you to everybody listening to this. We'll catch you in the next episode. Peace. Bye, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to the NFT Catcher Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and learned something new about the exciting world of NFTs. If you enjoyed today's episode, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And if you really love what you're hearing, please leave us a rating and review on your favorite platform. If you want to stay up to date with the latest news and insights from the NFT space, be sure to follow us on all the socials at NFT Catcher Pod. You can follow Jennifer at Jennifer underscore pseudo and Michael at NFTicket. I'm your producer, Andy, and I'm at AJC254. 
Our theme songs by It's Just Los. We always appreciate your feedback and support, which helps us reach more people and bring you informative and engaging content about NFTs. We look forward to bringing you more great NFT content in future episodes. Thanks for listening. Peace.